So, through Srila Prabhupada's teaching, is it becoming clear who is the Supreme Personality of Godhead? Krishna is the Supreme Personality. Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead means the Supreme Personality of Godhead is all-attractive. That's the real meaning. What's the word? What's the meaning of the word Krishna? All-attractive. It is not that Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. On the other way, on the other hand, we can say that the Supreme Personality of Godhead is Krishna. Because he is all attractive, therefore he is Krishna. Just as in English we use the expression, God is Almighty. Now, Almighty means, Almighty, might means what? Power. So God is all powerful. Who is all powerful? Are you all powerful? You may think that to him. <laughs> God is omnipotent. Don't we say use the expression omnipotent? Uh, meaning also same, all powerful. God is omnipresent. Is he omnipresent? Is, is he present everywhere? So these are actually the indication of his qualities. His qualities are synonymous to his name. It is not that just because you, got, you have got a name, uh, that that is, uh, the name is indicating you. Like name is you. Like for example, parents give name. Like in English there are so many names. Tom, Dick, Harry. <laughs> so, the names are given and that becomes their name. But that's not the case with Krishna. Krishna's names are not given by somebody in this world. Krishna is, Krishna's names are indicative of two things. One is his qualities. How many qualities Krishna has? How many qualities does Krishna have? Innumerable. Therefore Krishna has innumerable names. And according to his pastimes, and how many pastimes Krishna has? Innumerable. Therefore, Krishna is innumerable. For example, Rama. What is the meaning of the word Rama? That's another name of the Lord. Rama means the giver of supreme pleasure. He is the supreme enjoyer. Ramate Iti Rama. And he also is the giver of supreme pleasure, ultimate pleasure. 
so he is Ram. Similarly, another name is Narayan. Because he is lying in Nara water, therefore he is Narayan. He is maintaining the creation, therefore he is Vishnu. He appeared as the son of Nanda Maharaj, therefore he is Nanda Nandan. He is very dear to the gopi, therefore he is Gopinath. In this way he has intimated, but he is one without a second. He is one without a second. He is one. He may be identified by so many different names. But he is one without a second. And that one without a second is the Supreme Creator. There are secondary creators, like somebody built this table. We can say he's the creator of this table. Somebody built this building. He's the creator of this building. In this way, you can go on and on. Huh? Somebody created this earth, somebody created the universe and in this way we can go to the ultimate, somebody created the entire material nature consisting of innumerable universes. So ultimately who is the supreme creator? Krishna, the supreme personality. And understanding of the Supreme Personality of Godhead becomes possible because He reveals Himself. What is the best source of understanding the Supreme Personality of Godhead? Bhagavad Gita. Why? Because He is speaking about Himself. And also His devotees because they know Him. The Lord imparts the knowledge to his devotees and the devotees go and broadcast. And this knowledge, ultimate knowledge is actually consisting of three aspects. One aspect is Jiva aspect. We all are Jivas. And another aspect is Prakriti, this material nature. We all are here. And then Ishvara, the Supreme Creator and the Supreme Proprietor and the Supreme Maintainer. So Vedic philosophy basically deals with these three aspects. Jiva, Prakriti and Ishvara. Now, doesn't these three cover everything? There are two other things that also is described, but they are the manifestation of these three. Or two further manifestations are Kala and Karma. Kala means time. We can't deny the time factor. Everything is existing on time. Everything is floating 
If the time is considered to be like a river, we all are floating in that river. From one point, we are going to another point. In that stream of flow of river. Aren't we floating in that river? There was not, we just, we appeared in time. We are born. And then we are moving on time. And then finally, we will die and disappear. So what is the constant factor in our existence? Time. And then as we are acting, our actions are generating reactions. That is called karma. Nothing is happening by chance. Sometimes we are enjoying. Did, did that enjoyment come just by chance? No. It is something we must have done in the past that generated the result that is giving us this enjoyment or happiness. And sometimes we are suffering. For our happiness we may make some arrangements ourselves. We may think that, well, I made that arrangement. I built this beautiful house and I'm living in this beautiful house, therefore I'm happy. I may think that way, but I have been able to build this house because of some good karma that I have. Now we want to build the house and enjoy that house, but does anybody want the house to collapse in an earthquake? We don't want that, but it happens sometimes. So is it also a happening? Just a chance happening? That's also the result of, just as happiness is the result of a good karma, the suffering is the result of a bad karma. And therefore, Vedas are very clearly, very succinctly making that point. Don't act in a wrong way. Don't act in a wrong way. Don't cheat. Don't steal. Don't tell lies. Don't hurt others. So all these don'ts are there. Why these don'ts are there? To protect you from suffering. Because if you do those things, you will suffer. Somebody may steal and think, well, I gained a lot. Without pain, I got something. Isn't, the, that's, isn't that the meaning of stealing? I got something without paying the price. I may think that way, that I got it without paying the price. But there are some higher authorities. They are taking note. Oh, you didn't pay 1,000 rands. Okay, the fine is 25,000 rands. And you have to pay it. Now, if you know that by taking a thing that costs 1,000, if you have to pay 25,000, will you ever do that? Therefore, don't do that. <laughs> so, all these do's and do nots are there simply to protect us from the suffering condition. And in this way, the Vedas are taking us to the ultimate point. Ultimate point of surrendering to Krishna. 
you know what is the what is the benefit of surrendering to krishna okay i'll give you an example recently we dealt with a we had a seminar in cape town and in durban the title of the seminar was money is the means not the goal right so in cape town that was the theme money is the means not the goal in durban the theme was money is the means what is the goal unfortunately in today's world money has become the means money has become the goal because everyone is running after money thinking that i need money i need money i need money. but actually why do we need money did you think about it because if you have money then you can get what you want so that means money is the medium of exchange let's go into the root of it how did money come about do you remember initially there was barter system right change exchange i need cabbage and you have cabbage and i have rice i give you some rice and you give me the cabbage right that was the way of deal but then i go to you and say can you give me some cabbage i give you some rice you have plenty of rice at home i don't need any more rice so i am i am in difficulty now i need cabbage you have cabbage but i can't get the cabbage because you don't need what i have so they thought that there should be a common medium of exchange you may not need rice but i have these coins so you take this coin and this coin with this coin you can buy anything that you and in this way this coin gold or coins uh, mainly made of copper silver and gold became the medium of exchange then they came it became more subtle rupees the uh, the paper currency uh, then it became credit card see how with time it is becoming more and more subtle and now you don't even need credit card the bank credit is there you don't have to need it. use the credit your credit in the bank that means you have your credit and with that credit you can get whatever you want now these all arrangements are in this gross bodily platform but beyond this gross bodily platform there we have a subtle body how many of you are aware of it how many material bodies do you have huh? how many how many two what are those two material okay let's see how many of you know how many material bodies you have is this the only body you have huh this body is the gross body but beyond that do you have another body what kind of body is that how do you know Huh? You have your mind, 
you have the intelligent and you have particular. These three are the subtle elements. With these three elements, you have a subtle body. So, we have another body, subtle body. Now, the proof of the subtle body is, see now that we are in the gross body's consciousness, we are also, we also are aware of a mind. Do you have a mind? How many of you think that you have a mind? Do you have intelligence? A lot of it. How many of you think that you have intelligence? Okay. Very humble. And how many of you think that you have false ego? That, no doubt. <laughs> so with this mind, intelligence and false ego, with one buddhi and ahankara, huh? with these three subtle elements, we have a subtle body, just as with five gross elements, we have a gross body. This body is made of five, five gross elements. Or does this body have solid substance? Does this body have water in it? Does this body have fire in it? Does this body have air in it? Does this body have ether in it? Yes. So with these five gross elements, this gross body is made. But beyond that, there is a subtle body. Okay, you fell asleep. Are you aware of your gross body? But you are dreaming. Is it happening in your gross body? But is it happening to you? Who is that you? That is the you in the in your subtle body. Now next time you drink, think about it. That <laughs> <laughs> huh? how you are dwelling in your subtle body. Now <clears throat> can you get what you want in that subtle plane? With the money that you have, with the with your credit card, can you use the credit card? Huh? So in the subtle plane, also we have some element uh, which is the medium, which is the medium of exchange. You know what is that? In the subtle plane. Will money work there in the subtle plane? No. Now mind you, subtle is the cause of the gross. Whatever is happening in the gross plane, the cause of that is in the subtle plane. Now just let us consider. Somebody is born as a son of a billionaire. Just by his birth, how much did he inherit? Didn't he become a billionaire just by birth? Now, the question is, well, how did it happen? Hmm? The cause of that is in the subtle plane. And what is the cause? The cause is called punya, piety. Someone is born in the house of a beggar, pauper. Did it happen by chance? No. All these, somebody is born as a prince, somebody is born as a pauper. 
The reason is they passed her. The one who had Aichi, he was born in a rich family. One who is sinful, who has sinned in his past, then he is born in a poverty state. Four things are results of piety. And all those four things are extremely coveted. What are those four things? Janma, birth in an aristocratic family. Aisharja, opulence. Shruta, education or knowledge. And Shribhi, Shri, beauty. Physical beauty, knowledge, opulence and birth in high family are the results of pious activity. And when there is absence of that, that's the result of sinful activity. That's why in Indian culture we see that people would not go for immediate benefit. Rather they will go for pious life even at the cost of immediate loss. For example, Prabhupada once told us that in 1944 there was a big famine in India. It was created by the British. They were forcing the Indians to join the army to fight against the Germans. And the Indians were not joining. So what they did? They created that famine by burning all the crops all throughout the because they were ruling them. And there was an acute famine. Many, many people died. But Prabhupada said there was not a single instance of looting or stealing. They would rather die, but they would indulge in sinful activity. Because they know, because they knew, the result will be harm. Therefore, so that is the understanding. Even at the cost of the gross benefit, derive your suffering. Even at the cost of some immediate loss, create the benefit for the future. So, so subtle, what is the subtle wealth then? Punya. Gross wealth is money, but subtle wealth is punya. If you have punya, then automatically gross wealth will come. And not only gross wealth will come, the other coveted factors also will come in. Now there is a third level of existence, third plane of existence. What is the third plane of existence? Who can tell us? Spiritual plane. Is Jagadananda correct? He is a Pandit, so how can he go? <laughs> Jagadananda Pandit. <laughs> so, we have another plane of existence that is our spiritual plane of existence. Now, on the spiritual plane, 
the piety also is not of much relevance. Just as in the subtle plane, gross wealth is not relevant. Similarly, in the spiritual plane, even punya or subtle wealth also is not relevant. Why? Because spiritual plane is the plane when one becomes related to the Supreme Personality of God. One becomes related to the Supreme Personality of God. That's how you become situated on your spiritual identity. Isn't that clear? I am making all these points, I will come to you later on. <laughs> like all these points, just covering these points. Huh? Because I was going to go to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's instruction to Rupa Goswami and Sanatana Goswami. So I am just giving you uh, the, the summary of that, so that that point becomes. So to become situated in your spiritual identity, what is required? Your relationship with the Lord. No amount of piety can take you to the spiritual plane. Piety are generated by performance of austerities, performance of penances, performance of sacrifice, performance of charity, and so forth. But all those activities are relevant to the subtle plane but not on the spiritual. The only thing that works is your relationship with the Lord. How does relationship happen? Think of some relationship. So, uh, Nishinananda, think of a relationship. Tell me. Uh, okay, fine. So, do you know Nelson Mandela? Uh, just not knowing the person. Say, uh, do you know Donald Trump? <laughs> you know, you know of him, but there is no relationship. But do you know Premalila? <laughs> Huh? I mean, do you have a relationship with Premalila? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, do you have a relationship with Madri? Huh? <laughs> sorry. Anyway, do you have a relationship? So, like. So, do you have a relationship? Let's get it more real. Do you have a relationship with Shamananda? Now, what is the core basis of that relationship? Friendship. Friendship. So, these are the causes of relationship. There are five types of bond that causes relationship. Servitorship, friendship, parental and contributor. Right? Now, if we go into that, that these relationships are based on this simple words, based on love. Now, if we want to establish a relationship with Krishna, how are we going to do it? Huh? Simple consideration. 
like many people may know Krishna, but do they have a relationship with Krishna? No. But devotees have relationship with Krishna. Why? Because of their love, which is called bhakti. Therefore, bhakti is the only means by which relationship with Krishna is established. Right? So, uh, now, when you talk about relationship, say for example, one of the relationship with Krishna is, a clear understanding is that he is the Supreme Father. So when you become related to Krishna as father and son, then don't you inherit what Krishna has? Just by developing that relationship, you inherit. Therefore, devotional service on the spiritual plane, the subtle considerations are not necessary. You become the son of the Supreme Personality of God. And as a result of that, you inherit His kingdom. So you see these three. Now tell me, like, Less intelligent people try to acquire wealth in this plane. More intelligent people try to acquire in the superior, higher plane, the subtle plane. And the most intelligent people want to develop their relationship with the Supreme Personality of God. So is it clear? So, what should be the ultimate goal of life? Shamananda? Right. Developing our relationship with Krishna. And that is what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is reminding us time and time again. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu decided to instruct Rupa Goswami. Do you all remember when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu met Rupa Goswami? Where? Did he meet Rupa Goswami? Huh? Where? In Prayag. Where is Prayag? How many of you have been to Prayag? Okay. Prayag is a holy place. It's considered to be one of the holiest places. Where three rivers are merging. Ganga, Jamuna, and Sarasar. And there, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, actually Chaitanya Mahaprabhu traveled to Vrindavan and from Vrindavan now he is returning to Jagannath Puri. On the way when he was in Prayag, he met, or Rupa Goswami met him. Who was Rupa Goswami this morning I described? How many of you remember? And how many of you have forgotten? And how many of you decided not to raise your hands? <laughs> so, uh, Rupa Goswami was the, was the finance minister of the King of Bengal. So well, uh, that when he retired from the government service, he carried his gold in three boats. Three boats he carried. But 
he left everything and went and started to travel towards Vrindavan to meet Sri Chaitanya. And when he came to Prayag, then he got to know that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was there in Prayag. So he saw Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was going to the temple of Bindumatra. He offered obeisances from a distance. And then Chaitanya Mahaprabhu met him and he was very dear to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Mahaprabhu embraced him and he invited him to where he was staying and so he, and he had some initial exchanges with him and then he decided to instruct Rupa Goswami but he was always surrounded by so many people that he decided to go to some secluded place to instruct. So in Prayag, there is a ghat. Ghat means the cemented area to approach the river. There are steps that makes the approach to the river easy. So, in Dashashamit Ghat, Dashashamit, the meaning of the word is, at that place ten asamit sacrifices were performed. Dasha means ten, Ashwamedha is Ashwamedha sacrifice, Ashwamedha or sacrifice, and Ghat. So, <coughs> So Rupa Goswami, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu told Rupa Goswami the, the science of devotional service, the subject of devotional service is like an ocean. And I am just going to give you just a little drop to get a taste of it. It's an ocean. But I'll just give you a drop of that ocean for you to understand and appreciate. So, and there are innumerable living entities in this material nature. They're transmigrating from one body to And while traveling in this way, a living entity, in the material nature, the living entities do not really have any means to recognize the spiritual life. In this material nature, everyone thinks that he is his body. Everyone is absorbed in his physical identity. And this body is a result of his past activities, as I just mentioned. We get the body according to our past activities. 
Okay, let me also explain it. The way you act, does it leave an impression to your mind? And your mind is your subtle body. Your subtle body is comprised of mind intelligence and falsehood. When you do something good, how do you feel? You feel elated. When you do something bad, even though no one saw you doing it, how do you feel? You feel, you feel heavy, you feel depressed. So, doesn't our actions leave their imprints in our mind or in our subtle body? Now, as we act, don't we reveal ourselves in that way? Like, don't we sometimes say, oh, that person is like an angel? Do we call, how, when do we call somebody is like an angel? When he acts like an angel. And when he acts like an angel, his activities leave their impressions in their subtle body. And accordingly, his subtle body takes the shape. Sometimes, don't we say that he is like an animal? Why do you say that he is like an animal? Huh? Because his activities are like that of an animal. So, when somebody acts like an animal, then his subtle body takes the shape of an animal's. Now, mind you, at the time of death, we leave our gross body, but the subtle body doesn't die. The gross body dies, the subtle body remains. And the subtle body carries the soul to the next destination. One who acted like an angel and his subtle body has taken the shape of that of an angel, Mother Nature will place him in an angelic womb to get an angelic gross body. When somebody acts like a pig, Mother Nature will place him in the womb of a pig to get an appropriate body. Make sense? Huh? So that is the reason behind our that's the that is how a living entity transmigrates from one body to another. According to his karma, according to his past actions, one gets his future destination. So in this way the living entities are transmigrating in this material nature. Since time immemorial. But while he is travelling in this way, some fortunate souls, by the mercy of Krishna and by the mercy of Krishna comes across a devotee of the Lord. Brahmando Bhramite 
কোন ভাগ্যবান জিনিস অনফরচুনেট সো গুরু কৃষ্ণ প্রসাদে পায় ভক্তি by the mercy of the spiritual master and krishna he gets the seed of devotional creeper devotion to the lord has been compared to a creeper and the seed of that creeper is received by the mercy of a devotee and that devotee is considered to be গুরু ব্রহ্মাণ্ড ভ্রমিতে কোন ভাগ্যবান জীব গুরু কৃষ্ণ প্রসাদে পায়ের then what do you do kya karte hai what do you do with that pani ha pehle you you plant the seed in a field in a ground kshetra now if the field is full of stones and boulders then what will happen will the seed germinate so what is necessary the field should be properly prepared now this bhakti lata grows in a very special field what is the special field the special field is our heart we have to check we have to plant the seeds in our hearts therefore we have to prepare the heart it has to be fertile so that the seed will fructify if the heart is unprepared if the heart is not tender rather hard as rocks then will the seed fructify no so therefore we when we get the bhakti lata bead we have to take care that it is properly planted in the proper field and our field and there we have to just planting the seed is enough or we have to water and when we water what is the watering process the watering process is hearing and chanting about krishna shravanam kirtanam so uh, when you the field is you got the seed your ground is prepared and you put water in it then what will happen the seed will germinate seed will germinate but there is one there is i mean when the seed is germinated then what do you have to do can you just leave it like that 
then so many things can happen to that. Somebody can trample it. Therefore, you put a fence around it so that it is well protected. So, we have to be very, very careful to protect that sibling. And then there is, you are watering the plant. And when the field is fertile and there is plenty of water, what is another possibility there? The possibility of weeds. And mind you, the weeds grow faster than the, the plant. And there is a possibility that it will stifle the growth of the plant and kill the plant. Therefore, we have to be very, very careful that that is weeds do not grow and these weeds are the weeds are undesirable things material profit worship and so forth so a devotee have to be very very careful that he doesn't become affected by all these material influences or material uh, prosperity. Now how to do that? Now how many of you have seen the growth of rice paddy? Okay, so many of you haven't. Now. <clears throat> You know, you'll notice when you see the rice paddy field, when the plants are small, the rice plants, they cover the whole field with water. Now one feature of the rice paddy, that the, when the water is there, it tends to go beyond water, grow beyond water. So when you put water, it tends to go up. And that covering the field with water makes all the weeds to die. So now what is the uh, what is the watering process? Watering process is hearing and chanting. So when uh, you are absorbed in hearing and chanting, then the weeds cannot grow. Then the weeds cannot grow, but the bhakti lata grows very quickly. Doesn't it happen? So, another danger is if some wild animal comes, especially an elephant comes to the garden, then what will the elephant do? In South Africa, there are lots of elephants. I think used to be. <laughs> like in India also, like at the foothills of Himalayas and in South India, they have a tendency, they come in hordes and they destroy the feet. So what is that attack from the elephants is offensive. 
and there are ten offenses. Out of them, the most serious one is Vaishnav Apra. Offending the devotees of the Lord. So that completely destroys the field of Bhakti. Therefore, one should be very, very careful of protecting that devotional creeper. And now, if the devotional creeper allows, is, is allowed to grow or starts to grow, then what will happen? Then this devotional creeper will penetrate through the seven coverings of the universe. This uni each universe has seven layers, seven coverings. And they have 14 planetary systems. Out of them, seven are higher and seven are lower. So Bhaktivedanta grows like it goes beyond heavenly planets, goes beyond Brahmaloka, Satyaloka, penetrates to the covering of the universe, goes beyond the causal ocean, enters into the spiritual sky, and it goes to Golobrita. And there it takes the shelter of Krishna's lotus feet. The creeper needs the shelter. It is growing, but eventually it has to have the shelter. So the shelter is Krishna's lotus. And there what happens? The Bhaktilata starts to flower. And then that flower turns into fruits. And the unique thing about it is, that the flowers also remain and the fruits also appear. In the material plane, the flowers turn into fruit, but in spiritual world, the flowers remain in the plant and simultaneously the fruits also appear. And what is that fruit of Bhakti Lata? The fruit is Krishna Prem. Love of Krishna. And that love of Krishna is the ultimate goal of life. So now you see how this ultimate goal is achieved. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in this way instructed Srila Rupa Goswami. He also mentioned, he went into various elaboration also. I actually jumped from living entity, which is, I consider the human being getting the human birth, and coming across a devotee and receiving the Bhakti Lata Beach. But Rupa Goswami also mentioned very systematically the innumerable living entity. He classified them first, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Guru classified them in two categories, moving and non-moving. 
trees and plants fall in the non-moving category. Do the trees and plants have soul? Are they living? Yes. Another interesting consideration here. How do we determine the living and non-living from non-living? See, Vedas are so scientific. Living fall in the cat. Living entities display six symptoms. Those six symptoms are birth, then growth, change, reproduction or multiplication, decay and death. Now let's consider a weed or a plant. Is it born at some point? When it became a seedling from the sea, it's born. And then, does it remain like that all the time? It grows. It changes. In winter, the leaves fall, or rather in autumn, the leaves fall, and then in spring, new leaves appear. Then flowers appear, the flowers turn into fruits, changes. The plant, the tree in winter and tree in, in spring, do they look the same? And then in the fruit, there are seeds. The seeds will fall on the ground, another tree will come up. Reproduction. Then eventually the tree will decay and the tree will die. So take any living creature, any living entity. They all will display the six symptoms. Take a microbe, born, grew, changed, reproduced, decayed and died. Take the same thing, apply to animals, birds, reptiles, insects, worms, human beings. So, there are two types of living entities, non-moving and moving. Oh, no, before that, I'm sorry, he made another category. The living entities in water, no, that actually came afterward. Then there are three types of living, moving living entities. Three types of moving living entities are those living entities that fly, living entities that are on land, and living entities in water. And then uh, there are human beings. There are 8,400,000 species of life. There are 8,400,000 species of bodies 
and out of that only 400,000 are human beings. Then the human beings also fall in different categories. Uncivilized, half-civilized and civilized. The consideration of civilization is in relation to spiritual understanding. The living entities, those who do not have any spiritual understanding, they are uncivilized. They may wear nice dresses and may live in nice houses and drive fancy cars, but according to the, this category, they all are uncivilized. Those who have the spiritual awareness but do not act, they are half civilized. And those who act on spiritual awareness, they are civilized. And those who act in spiritual awareness, they again fall in three different categories. They are fruity workers, fruity workers mean they are acting according to the Vedic injunction for their material benefit. Then another category, they want to become liberated from this material bondage. And finally, those who are situated in their loving relationship with the Lord. Now this loving relationship with the Lord begins only with proper spiritual understanding and that's why one needs the spiritual master. Spiritual master means a devotee. Unless and until one comes across a devotee, one cannot possibly have this pure spiritual understanding of developing one's loving relationship. So that is the, the most important consideration. Therefore, when one comes across the devotees of the Lord uh, and gets to know about the spiritual process of developing their relationship with Krishna, they should consider themselves to be extremely fortunate and take full advantage of this opportunity. Because this opportunity is extremely rare. Extremely rare. Very fortunately, in the age of Kali, especially now, after Srila Prabhupada appeared, this opportunity has become quite widely available. Just consider, had Prabhupada not have come, you all, wherever you are, South Africa, Europe, America, India, could you have had access to this process? Could you have possibly have the understanding of the spiritual identity of yours and ultimate spiritual goal of your existence? That is how rare it was. But Srila Prabhupada made it so widely available. 
Today, anyone practically anywhere in the world can have access to this devotional service. That is the inconceivable, uh, inconceivably merciful gift of Shri. So now when we practice devotional service, then what happens? Devotional service gives rise to six benefits. Six things happen. Uh, devotional service is klesha gni. So what's the meaning of the word klesha? Klesha uh, means suffering. And gni means to kill. Like ripu gna, the killer of the enemies. Who is the killer of the enemy? Krishna. Gna. And gni means the killer. Gna means to kill. And gni means the killer. So this devotional service is the destroyer of suffering condition. Pleasure gni. Ever since you have accepted devotional service, did you become considerably relieved from your suffering condition? How many of you experienced that? So see what happened? The first thing that happens is no more suffering. Okay, somebody say, well, I see the devotees also suffering. They get fever, they get all kinds of things. Yes, they may, but the thing is that may happen to the body, but they do not become affected by that. When you know that you are a spirit soul, then whatever happens to your body doesn't really affect you. Because you are on another plane. Like a child who thinks that he is the dress that he is wearing. If anything happens to the dress, how will, how will he react? Start crying. But a grown-up, if something happens to the cloth, what does he cry? Why? He knows that that's only a dress. He takes it off and puts it on. Similarly, things may happen to the devotee's body, but because he is not in the bodily consciousness, bodily concept of life, therefore he doesn't become affected by whatever is happening. Right? And plus also it happens, like by Krishna's mercy, things become very favorable and Shubhada, it brings all auspicious. The devotional service once when you take to devotional service, your life becomes full of auspiciousness. And when you practice devotional service, the liberation becomes insignificant. Is anyone too keen to get liberation? I'm seeing some of you. Guarding your lips and in 
discussed. <laughs> Good sign. <laughs> because it's so when you have when you have some say for example, when you have the opportunity to go and live in the palace of the king, will you be so concerned about becoming free from the prison house? You may be in the prison, but when you get out of the prison, where will you go? And when you are in the prison, you are king's man. Are you treated like a prisoner? <clears throat> when a king's man <clears throat> goes to the prison, does he become a prisoner? So those who become Krishna's man, they may be in the prison house of the material nature. Are they prisoners? How many of you become Krishna's men and women? Raise your hands. So are you prisoners in the material nature? And since you are Krishna's man, where will you be? In Krishna's palace. So that's why a devotee doesn't care about liberation. Liberation becomes insignificant because he is so way beyond liberation that he doesn't even bother about liberation. And Shudur Labha, devotional service, is very, very rare. Therefore, please protect your devotional service very, very carefully, recognizing that it's very rare. It is due to your inconceivable good fortune that you have found it. It's very rare. Sudur Labha. <coughs> Then Shandrananda Visheshatma. This devotional service brings inconceivable joy. Fills your heart as if it drowns you in an ocean of ecstasy. Shandrananda Visheshatma. And Krishna Karshamicha, devotional service, attracts even Krishna. It attracts even Krishna. Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, becomes attracted to the devotion of the devotee. So these are the six achievements out of devotion. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, in this way, instructed Srila Rupa Goswami and <coughs> So, and the bhakti, he pointed out, there are nine ways of executing devotional service. Hearing and chanting, remembering, worshipping, surrendering, accepting servitorship to Krishna, friendship to Krishna, and developing loving. Shavana Kirtana, Smarana Vandana, Pada Sevana, Dasari, Pujana Sakhi Jana, Atma Nidhi 
गोविंद दास ओके सो ओके वी कैन ओपन अप द क्वेश्चन आंसर सेशन नाउ यस जीवनी He saw, although Krishna and Balaram were sitting on the chariot, he saw Krishna and Balaram, Krishna in the river. So he was very surprised that Krishna was sitting on the chariot. Now, how come I'm seeing him in the river? So he went back and looked at the chariot, and he saw Krishna and Balaram sitting there. Then he came back, and then he saw Krishna in his forearm form. So at that time, Krishna of Vrindavan went back to Vrindavan, and Krishna, the son of Devaki and Vasudev, Vasudev Krishna, came and sat on the chair, and Akrur actually brought Vasudev Krishna to Mathura, and Vrindavan Krishna went back to. So this is how Vrindavan Krishna does it. that they are dreaming and in their so called apparent wakeful state they say oh krishna is gone krishna is gone thank you hi krishna hari krishna gurmaj and thank you for this wonderful seminar i have a few questions for you You mentioned that Rupa Goswami 
um, and Samaritan Goswami went to meet Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Where is um, Anapan in our Sampradaya? What's that? You meant Anupam in our Sampradaya. Oh, okay, Anupam. Anupam was the young, younger brother of Rupa Goswami and Sanatana, youngest of the three. And the eldest was Sanatana Goswami, then Rupa Goswami, then Anupam. Anupam actually was a devotee of Lord Ram. And Rupa Goswami and Sanatana Goswami once explained to him how it is better or more exalted to be a devotee of Krishna. So Anupam said, okay, let me think about it and tomorrow I will tell you. Next morning he came and told them that throughout the whole night he thought about it, but he couldn't give up his master. But then Rupa Goswami and Sanatana Goswami accepted. He said that the servant who doesn't give up his master and the master who doesn't give up his servant are the greatest. So Anupam that way was the devotee of Lord Ram. Thank you very much. I got two more. And please could you explain the mathematical equivalent of Ashwakarma? Mathematical equivalent of? Uh, Ashwakarma. You said the you referred to the numbers of Shojin is on the battlefield. Akshohini, okay. Okay, Akshohini. <clears throat> yeah, Akshohini is something like 60, roughly 63,000 chariots, 63,000 elephants, right? Then multiply that by four is the whole the cavalry. Now multiplied by sixty-three thousand is cavalry. And then multiplied by four now five is infantry. So in total it comes to six hundred and uh, uh, 63,000 multiplied by 10, that's 630,000 altogether. Chariots, elephants, soldiers on elephants, soldiers on horseback, and soldiers on foot. Right? That is one auction. Right? Now multiply by 23. In the history of India, does it mean that only Orissa was not under the Muslim rule? Yeah, more or less, yeah. Muslims could defeat King Pratapurudra. But maybe some other parts of South India also remained their sovereignty. But the rest of India was practically under Muslim domination. Muslims actually took over. <clears throat> Thanks, you know. When Krishna didn't leave Vrindavan, 
the Balaram also not leaving Gali or the Balaram leaving Gali? Yeah, Balaram leaves Here the question. Hare Krishna Guruvaraj, thank you for such a wonderful class. If at one time all living entities were within the Supreme Lord in Golok Vrindavan, loving Krishna in the different mellows, friendship, servitorship, parental and conjugal, then what happened that some living entities, us that are here, have fallen down into this miserable place? Where's that? Can you shift? Sorry. Shall we repeat that? Yeah, uh, no, that's not um, What happened that some living entities, like us here, have fallen down into this miserable place? Yeah. Okay. Uh, the thing is not that all living entities were in Vrindavan. Right? They were mostly in Vaikuntha. Most of the living and the point is, we are here now in this material nature. And it is not possible for us to really figure out where we were. Probably saying that the cause of our fall down is not here. The cause of our fall down is in the spiritual world. Therefore, unless and until we go back to the spiritual world, we won't be able to understand how we fell to the material Another way of looking at it is, this material experiences are like a dream. And going back to the spiritual world is something like waking up there. So when you wake up, does the dream matter anymore? When you wake up from a dream, then the dream disappears. So going back to spiritual world is something like something like waking up in, the, in that world, and this will appear in like a dream. Thank you. <laughs> I'm really enjoying and being transported into another world, listening to all about cheating and blah blah blah. And the way uh, and the way you're narrating it is making it so beautiful. So we are just soaking uh, up soaking it up like sponges. Thank you for that. That's a compliment. And the question is Gumaraj, <laughs> um, you know when uh, Krishna was there on, on earth, or he was manifested as one of the, 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 the um, once you got information. Um, when he died, this is the Kali Yoga started. So am I right about that? When Krishna leaves this planet? Yes, that's when Kali Yoga started. So in the Gita, when we're speaking to Arjun, he tells Arjun that do not take up any form of religion, just surrender out to me. And I mean, people that are born in that time when Krishna was still around in, in India, um, why didn't they absorb that one line and say, 
you know what, Krishna is the Supreme Personality. He is, you know, the cause of all causes. Where did the culture get lost that Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead? And why does demigod worship be an obstruction to reaching Krishna? That's one question. Well, there are different types of people and they act according to their nature. Like Krishna was there. Duryodhana was seeing him. Did his attitude change? No. So there will always be people like that. They will hear about Krishna. Even by seeing Krishna, they will not accept him. So what to speak of, you know, hearing and receiving his information about him. Therefore, it is said that those who accept Krishna as the Supreme Personality of God, they are very fortunate. Because just by accepting Krishna, they can wipe out all their suffering condition and go back to the spiritual world. Simple as that. But they are so unfortunate. I would rather say they are so stubbornly unfortunate. That they just don't want to take up this Anyway, don't worry about them. <laughs> so, the point is, now that we found it, let's take it. Also, another thing, Brahman, you know the Brahman culture, and all the Brahmanas are so exalted in the picture. They all, obviously, obey the man and the scholars in Bhakti and uh, whatever, Dharma. Uh, why was there competition between them? Why would they one one be superior to the other? Like how we be related the story with um, Well again we go back to the same point. Like mm. different entities have their different characteristics. Yeah. Right. And it's something like, you know, there is a saying that no matter how how hard you try, you can't straighten a dog's tail. <laughs> I just wanted to ask you, um, you said for the Bhakti Lata Beach, the watering is Shravanam, Kirtanam, and then um, to protect it from weeds, we, we don't get into material <coughs> prosperity. So you said to put a fence around it. So how do you put a fence around it? Just protect all those possibilities. And you know, like, the process itself is the fence. Hearing and chanting, associating with devotees in a favorable way. So they give the protection. Oh yeah. Ramach, uh, it's described that pure love of God has, pure love of Krishna is already in the heart of the living entity. And uh, you mentioned about Roger Mahabu describing the bhakti like a beach which comes from Guru and Krishna. So what is the essence of that bhakti like a beach if your love of Krishna is already in the heart? No, love of Krishna is not that. Preparing the field means being receptive to that. Faith. A faith in what you have got. That this seed is going to give me 
I have received this most precious thing. So let me plant it properly in my heart. So in simple words, faith prepares the ground and doubts destroy them. She has this question. Hare Krishna Maharaj, thank you so much for um, taking your time and giving us so much of beautiful information on the most magnificent manifestation of the Lord these few days. Uh, may I ask you to please um, tell us a little bit more and advise us on how to develop the mood in our devotional service of Dasa Anudasa Anudasa. Yeah, the, root, the, the main means to develop that attitude is being humble. And the way to become humble is by recognizing the greatness of others. Right? I mean, unless and until we recognize the greatness of others, there is no way that we can actually cultivate this humble attitude. In that respect, you know, we can consider one example. Akbar, a great Mughal Empire emperor, had a minister in his court called Birbal. Birbal was famous for his intelligence and wit. And other ministers were envious that Akbar was favoring Birbal so much. So Akbar tried to tell them that, you know, it's Birbal's intelligence and wit that he appreciates. But they did not accept or understand. So in order to demonstrate that Birbal's intelligence, one day Akbar came to the court and drew a line on the floor with a chalk. And he asked, can anyone shorten this line without rubbing it off? Can anyone make it shorter without rubbing it off? No one could respond. So then finally Akbar asked Birbal, Birbal, can you do it? So he took the chalk and drew a longer line next to that one. He said, now your line is short. So, you know, when it is a matter of, you know, becoming shorter or becoming smaller, then we have to recognize the greatness of others. And that is what naturally makes us small. Otherwise, you know, humbleness is not possible. Unless and until we appreciate the greatness of others. And it probably, you know, the starting point is recognizing the greatness of Krishna. At least in relation to Krishna, we become small. 
and then you begin to see the greatness of Krishna's devotion. And this is how, as we come close to the devotees and recognize their greatness, then automatically we begin to recognize our insignificant situation. Okay. Okay, thank you. Hare Krishna. Is there any more questions?